This is Lizzie McDonald, and I spearhead the Patient Health Care and Wellness Program, also known as PATH, for River's Edge Pharmacy. Today, I'm chatting with Natalie Zakarchuk about her story and the importance of cancer survivorship initiatives. Hi, Natalie. Hey, Lizzie. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you so much. I'm really glad that you're here to chat about your story and talk about your experience because you have so much insight. I know like your cancer story has a lot of nuances and it's lengthy and a lot of different things have happened. How long ago were you diagnosed and what was going on in your life at the time? Yeah, sure. I I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. So when we talk about cancer, the staging of it goes from stage one, which means a tiny spot of cancer, all the way up to stage four, which means it is a terminal cancer. So at 34 years old, I was diagnosed with a stage three cancer, and it was quite a large tumor that was in my breast. And I was a young single mom. Um, I had a child at the time he he was in fourth grade. So, you know, a really scary diagnosis for me and a scary time. At that time, I did go through the full range of breast cancer treatment. Can you um, can you tell me kind of a little bit about what that is? Because breast cancer treatment can mean so many different things. So when you mention full range, we kind of paint a picture of that. Yeah, absolutely. So because I was stage three, um, my treatment was switched around a little bit compared to maybe some other people who were diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I had my chemo was first in line. Typically with breast cancers, they'll do a mastectomy to remove the tumor and then they'll do chemo to kind of go around and clean up any extra cells that may be roaming around your body. For me, because the tumor was so large, they knew that they wanted to hit it with chemo first to try to shrink it down before I went and did my surgeries. So I had three different chemo medications, shouldn't call them medications, I guess, but I had three different chemos, even in breast cancer, something that I think is really important to understand about cancer in general is that each cancer almost has a unique treatment that goes along with it. So me saying that I had cancer and my cousin saying he had cancer, we both likely went through very different treatment protocols for our different cancers. So on mine, I did the chemo. Then I had um, a double mastectomy surgery. Then I went and had radiation. Then I had reconstruction, you know, along with a few other things, <laughs> surgery-wise, taken out, removed, reattached, you know, that kind of goes along with cancer also. Getting cut, cut open, I, I call it sliced and diced, and then put, and then put back together, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and all of that, the total, my, my treatments from the time I would, was diagnosed, I went through two years of treatment for my cancer. We've both talked about at some stage, we kind of hung out in denial to deal with our diagnoses. Um, we kind of give like paint, like tell me a little bit more about being a single mom, going through treatment, career, what was going on with all of that? Yeah, I was extremely blessed to have an employer at the time when I was diagnosed who really gave me 
the breath and space to be able to move through these two years of treatments. You know, I was really mostly concerned about my son at that time, just, you know, knowing that a stage three diagnosis is closer to stage four and being concerned that maybe I wouldn't make it for the long term. You and I have had the conversation, I think, several times about how we kind of hung out in denial at one point about our diagnoses. And so I know so denial that triggered what what I was going to say for the two years that I was in treatment, I would say I had a full survivor's attitude is what I call it. I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to power through this. I'm the one that's going to survive. We're going to be fine. And once I'm done with treatment, we are going to move forward. And, and this whole thing is going to be behind me, right? So I call that my survivor's attitude, not because I was always positive or uplifted, but because I knew that I was fighting for my life and I knew that I was going to be the one that could fight through these treatments and come out the other side. And so I call I call that my survivor's attitude. Were, were there plenty of tears? Absolutely. Chemo alone, I realize I can sum up chemo in one word, one story. I went to bed one night and texted my family members, I don't think that I'm gonna wake up in the morning. And I just wanted you all to know that I love you. And this is, this would be the easiest way for me to go. And I, and I did wake up the next morning. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you know, fate coming to, coming to like real solidarity and grips with my, my life is on the brink here. You know, I am fighting for my life literally down to my last breath and whether or not I, I continue to breathe when I'm not consciously there doing it for myself. And, and, you know, certainly a scary moment, but I think that that situation, it, it does, it makes you look at life totally differently. It makes you totally have a different perspective on, on what life is. So the two years during treatment, that was my mindset, was a survivor's attitude. After two years, I was given a bill of clean health. The tumors were gone. Um, I just needed to follow up with my doctor from now on once every six months. So you get a clean bill of health. What was that feeling like? Like what sums up how you felt at that moment? Um, hmm, let me think about that a little bit. <laughs> well, and it doesn't have I'm, to be what, I mean, it could be a multitude of things. People who go through cancer, who get a clean bill of health, I've heard so many different, because I know this story continues. I, so. I, I will say that I felt like cancer was behind me. I turned my back to cancer 100%. I didn't go out and connect with any other survivors. I did talk about it, but very, maybe superficially, maybe just very um, matter of fact. When I met, when I ran into other people who were diagnosed, I would always say, oh yeah, have that person call me. I'm happy to talk to them. But nobody called, nobody 
talks about it, you know? And so for me, I turned my back to cancer completely. And that was my biggest downfall going forward next few years. Was that, was that kind of where we talk about that denial because you're like, this is behind me. I've overcome what, what happened then in the next few years? Because I know that at some point your cancer came back. I'm not even sure that I would, I would call it denial as much as lack of preparation. It was not when I was given, you know, hey, now we're just going to watch you, but you're done with your treatments. And now we just watch you from here on out. You know, there wasn't any medical guidance. Nobody told me or said to me, hey, cancer survivors actually report that they have a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety after going through treatment. It would be really, it may be something really good to think about going and talking to a therapist about what just occurred to you or, hey, go be a part of a support group of other survivors that talk about the ongoing lifetime issues that happen because your body was just taken down to the brink of death and then revived and and that 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 causes you know long-term side effects happen from chemo from the radiation from all the surgeries you know your body is just totally different post treatment than it was beforehand and so my you know kind of what i think is an impo- is important for any cancer survivor is to realize that once your treatment is finished don't make that the end of your cancer journey your cancer journey goes goes forward through your survivorship so when you said that your body was taken to the brink of death and basically revived. It gave me goosebumps. So that is a very, very huge statement. And you mentioned the importance of getting in check with your mental health, not you, but people who go through cancer treatment, really checking in on their mental health. And as you said, you know, getting in touch with support groups. And I just, that was a really powerful statement. And I just gave me goosebumps and really just want to punctuate that importance of community and having connection with that statement. Definitely. It's not a life experience that many people have endured. And so as we continue on where you talk about getting in connection with community and going to survivorship. At what point did you get involved in that or find out about that? So the four years after I compl- after I was done with treatment, um, maybe during treatment also, but um, there was about four years from the time I was diagnosed before I realized the long-term effects that cancer had on me, you know, my, um, not just physically, I was aware of the physical side effects, but the mental side effects, I'm not sure that I gave myself, um, the breath to acknowledge the mental side effects. Um, one of those was with chemo 
things became very difficult, more difficult for me to process intellectually. I did definitely had chemo brain for a number of years after my chemotherapy. Now you mentioned chemo brain. Is there, can you elaborate on what that actually meant? Like what does chemo brain mean? So the average person has no <laughs> clue what chemo brain even is. Okay. Chemo brain. So we we all know what chemotherapy does, right? It's it's a um it's a poison that they put all in your body, through your veins, everything, in an attempt to kill the cancer. And so while the chemo is killing the cancer, it is also killing many rapidly um, regenerating cells in your body. So that's why people lose their hair from chemo is because your your hair regenerates quickly. So chemo brain is like this fog. It's it's almost like I don't want to be too dramatic, but for me chemo brain felt like poison that was stuck in my brain for years and years and years. And so I knew how my brain normally functioned. After having chemotherapy, my brain has never, ever, ever gone back to the functioning that it had prior to having chemo. So, um, and I don't know the science behind any of that, but I do know that that's a real struggle for survivors to get past this chemo brain. Somebody had told me that one of the chemos that they use um, stays in your prefrontal cortex for up to four years. And that's where we do our processing, <laughs> you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what, that's what chemo brain was. And, you know, I was, I, I had a career in investments and I dealt with people's money and, you know, it's hard to deal with people's money when you have chemo brain. It really is. It affects more levels of, of somebody's life, you know, retaining information so that it, it made just general interactions and general life things a little bit more difficult. So going back to my career, I found that I was having to work longer hours to accomplish the same amount of, um, of work, but it was because I, I couldn't, the, dealing with the stress was what, much more difficult. Um, having kind of a constant anxiety that I never even learned to label as anxiety until four years had gone by. After being through my treatment for four years, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm anxious and I'm realizing I'm having this anxiety and I really think that it was because I had all of these traumas during those two years that I just flat out thought once my life is saved, then I go back to life as normal. And and that's not really how survivorship works. And and my hope is we talk about the new buzzword of survivorship. And some people don't really understand what that means. So tell me about what does survivorship mean and what are survivorship initiatives? And tell me how you got involved in that. Because I know we have patients who are going through chemotherapy and they could probably learn a ton from you about what survivorship is and kind of how that works on some level. <laughs> yeah, I will say survivorship is done totally different with 
every person. Mm-hmm. Survivorship for the four years after my diagnosis for me was pretending that nothing occurred. But I, I ran into some hiccups in my personal life because I wasn't really looking at, you know, um, what I had just been through. So fast forward six years after my original diagnosis. Well, one thing that I'd like to add is that after the four years and kind of realizing that that I was struggling for sure, definitely struggling in getting back to the normal that I thought that I was supposed to be back at. So I had this idea in my head about what a normal cancer survivor would look like and what they would be doing. And I thought because nobody talked about it, that everybody was just fine after. So you weren't connecting with, so you weren't talking to other cancer survivors. So you made up this story in your head that like, I should be fine. I overcame. Yes. And how do I move forward? Everybody talks about getting stuck in your cancer. I didn't want to get stuck in the cancer experience. I wanted to move forward, but, but there's some things that have to happen in our, in our brains and our minds. And, you know, we've got to figure some things out. We can't just smash them all and, and, uh, and pretend like they didn't exist and pretend like we're going to move forward in the same way that we had before. Mm-hmm. And so it was about four years. I finally acknowledged to myself This going through what I went through and the treatments that I went through really have changed my life. They've changed the way I interact at work. They changed the way I interact in my personal relationships. It has changed me and my life. And I wanted to start to look into that. And so I did start a meditation practice. I learned more about mindfulness and mind body. Um, skills and and things like that that was all very helpful but not anything that really made the clear impact that changed uh my survivorship experience up to that point did you seek out the mindfulness like in the meditation on your own or was that something that someone said like a medical professional said hey this might help you or was this just something you found on your own because mindfulness and meditation are huge things now in the medical community and there's not a lot of understanding about how that helps people with diagnoses. There's not much about what it actually does for people. Yeah. There was never any medical professional that gave me any guidance as to what might help in my survivorship experience. And there is a lot of information out there about how much mindfulness and meditation does help in these kinds of diagnoses. <laughs> you know, there's tons of information out there and I wasn't aware of it. So no, it was actually a family member who had suggested the idea of meditation to me. And I thought, you know what? I, I've got nothing else, so let me try that. And that's when I got involved with meditation. And the more I started to go down that little rabbit hole, the more I just felt more grounded. I felt prepared to deal with some of the stressors that had been coming up in my life. So that was kind of a beginning process because meditation and mindfulness, it's a practice. 
Yes, it is. You know, I'm a huge practicer and really fine for me personally. It really centers me and allows me to, instead of being on these extreme ends of what illness can be like, to be very centered and more or less kind of stay in that middle line versus, you know, those two extremes that you can really feel of elation and devastation, but more, you know, how is it? Is that a similar thing for you with your mindfulness practice? That's a great way to describe it is um, I, I think of it as like the peaks and valleys of life. They can be sharp peaks that are kind of hard to climb. And then you get up there and you kind of fall. You can smooth them a little bit more to be like rolling hills. It doesn't take your problems or issues away it it gives you a sense of having a little bit more um groundedness as you approach those issues or or those things so the the meditation and mindfulness was kind of the beginning we will talk a little bit about what forced me <laughs> into survivorship <laughs> always always fun to be forced into something but if it worked i'm not sure at that point four years post-cancer i'm not sure i would have forced myself into survivorship mode i i maybe was still a little bit blind to this whole cancer experience having such an impact on me um what forced me into survivorship mode was uh having some, you know, post some pain and things like that, went and investigated it a little bit, learned that my cancer had returned into my bone. That means once your cancer metastasizes to another area of your body, you are stage four terminal with cancer. Can you tell me a little bit, because I know you a little bit about what stage four terminal means, because I know you as a vivacious person who does a lot of things. So when you talk about stage four terminal, will you just tell me what that means for you? What it meant for me when I was originally diagnosed was death. I'm going to die sooner than later. It's going to be painful. We don't see cancer patients who don't die painfully. I had, my son was 16. All I could think about was please let me get this child through college. Please let me be here long enough that I can get him through college. I, I felt that college was that that line for me when I when I felt like I could do as much as I could for my child <laughs> and then he could go and spread his wings even if he didn't have a mom on the earth you know Th- that that perspective I went through some pretty intense counseling for the next year I was put on stage four medication that did not allow me to continue to work full-time I think being a single mother, I mean, of course, it, it was um, financially very difficult and so scary. Like, how how do I take care of and provide like I've been doing for a number of years when I can't when I can no longer keep the career that I, I had worked so many years building, you know, so counseling and having a good 
counselor. You know, she didn't know what it was like for somebody to be diagnosed with a with a terminal illness. Um, but she was really skillful in the way that she helped me negotiate what was happening in my head. You just, it's like you constantly have these things just ticking away in your head. How's my son doing? Am I ever going to work again? Man, I've lost my career. What's my financial stability going to look like? Am I going to die tomorrow? Do I have six months? You know, just just everything. And, and she really helped me be able to separate out a lot of those fears and, and look at them very differently. That first year was very difficult, not knowing even the doctors, the oncologists. My oncologist told me when I was diagnosed, she said, just pray to God that you will respond to treatment. And that's scary. (laughs) Pray to God, you're my doctor. (laughs) You're my doctor. And that's all you have to offer me is pray to God that this is, you know. They're supposed to know everything. They're supposed (laughs) to tell you exactly what's happening, not this ambiguous or, you know, that that's usually not medical advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So definitely added to the fear factor a little bit. One thing that really helped me kind of take back my diagnosis was going out and learning. So I I went to reputable websites. I learned about the medications that were being put in my body. I learned about my cancer specifically. Why is it so difficult that that modern science hasn't cured cancer? And I learned all of those things and all of those aspects to why cancer is a wily beast. It's Uh very individual for each of us. You know, my cancer is individual and unique to my body and the way that my body works. And so, yes, that's a tricky thing for medical science to be able to pinpoint you know, and um, so the medications that that we take are kind of we're on the best medications out there. How long they work for also is an unknown to the doctors. I will tell you that the medication that I was on, I'm no longer on it as of nine months ago, but the medication I was on typically kept breast cancer survivors that were stage four. I shouldn't say kept them alive. What is the appropriate term? Um, Basically, the medication that I was on by the research allowed women, women to live an average of three years longer. No, so then there's another number that's in my head, right? Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm on medication. It's going to give me three years approximately. Guess what? I'm at three years <laughs> and I'm still alive. And here you are. <laughs> <laughs> As of, as of right now, we've got a few things that the doctors follow, just spots that they follow to see, hey, could these potentially be cancer? Are they maybe just a little bit of a fractured bone? So we follow up on those kinds of things. But as of today, I have been told or shown by the scans that I don't have any 
active cancer in my body as of today. So my that's, idea. <laughs> that's, that's a great thing. But again, where do you go? I know you're more in touch with a community. Um, so having, I know being quote unquote clear for today. So you've had this really intense cancer experience. You beat some odds, but you still have it with you. You're a terminal stage four cancer patient. So tell me about, you know, the communities you've been a part of, the community you founded with your sister, because I think that would be so important for people who are in any part of their cancer journey. Definitely. So when I was initially diagnosed stage four and I've painted the picture, I was not in a good place, in a good headspace. I didn't know how to how to really deal with this kind of a diagnosis. And the one thing my oncologist at that point there was a cancer community that focused on survivorship. And so when I was diagnosed stage four, she did point me in that direction. She said, you've got, you've just got to go to this community. You have to do it. And so sure enough, I went into the community nervous, um, you know, having concerns about what's going to happen in this cancer community and things like that. I go into this community and immediately I'm able to connect with other um, other people who have also had a stage four diagnosis of cancer. So everybody in this group was living with terminal cancer and it really allowed me to get in and see that my experience was a normal experience, you know, being other being being around other survivors. And then I hear about what they went through. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, what I went through was nothing compared to what you went through. But but you just start to see that we're all human. And when you have something like like a a cancer diagnosis, you connect immediately with other humans that have similar experiences to you. And so can I ask you how um, that support system versus say your, you know, support system of family, friends, how is that? How is that different? Because these are strangers, you walk into a group of strangers, but you have this common experience. So how is that different than your friends and family? totally different night and day. I have the most supportive family, the most supportive family, great friends around me that are very supportive. All of them had a lot of compassion toward my situation. None of them understood what it was actually to have experienced that firsthand. And so I go into the cancer community and I'm speaking with other people who have experienced it firsthand. And that is when my, you know, my mind opens up and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm normal. All of these things, the depression, the anxiety, the post-surgery issues, having trouble at work, these were normal 
for people who had been through these kinds of experiences. And, and like you said, it's not the exact same experience, but you have this like shared camaraderie because you understand each other. And I think that understanding piece is the most important piece for survivors. Having somebody who understands what it was like, understands what you went through, it it just, it's so impactful to have an understanding community, to be understood in your life experience. And, and as much as my family and my friends, they want to understand, it's they haven't been through it so they don't so that cancer community just absolutely brought through the understanding and i think i think once you feel like that you have some ability to process your experience and i think that that's what that understanding community really allowed me to do was process my cancer experience and then it it kind of helped me to be able to go oh wait a second and it just it changed it changed my outlook it changed my outlook on anything on everything i'm still facing you know i call it a long road to an early death so yeah there there are things that i deal with in my daily life life and death why am i here what's important now you know all of those kinds of things occur but if i stay plugged in with a cancer community those things just seem to kind of like like we talked about the rolling hills they're more like rolling hills Mm -hmm. when you have a community around you so when you went to that cancer community in a different place was it a group of depressing people or was it more uplifting so a lot of times when people hear support group, they think of like it being just this very boohoo, always just very depressing sort of experience. Was that true for you or not? <laughs> We're, we, we will not sugarcoat this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking for sugarcoat. I'm just curious, yeah. you know, what, you know, was it all doom and gloom or was there some, you know? I, it was not, it was not doom and gloom. It was very real life. It was very real life. So the support group that I happened to be in was specifically stage four uh, patients. So we did, we talked a lot more about life and death. What I thought was incredible was that when some of these survivors, you, I became very close and developed very close relationships with the other people that were in my group. That was kind of a two-edged sword because it takes, it takes emotional space to be able to hear and and hold other people's stories so in my group that i was a part of in this other place two of the people in that group did pass away from their cancers while i was in that group and i watched the most beautiful thing occur that i've ever experienced i watched survivors walking into death just like so elegantly. I love that word to describe that. That's very powerful. Yeah, it's like, and I, you know, after, so I was in that group, I ended up moving back to Nevada to be closer to family. 
one of my friends from that group did pass away. She and I text a few days before it occurred. And I just, I don't think words can express the, um, just like this deep connection to her and how gracefully she allowed herself, you know, not, I shouldn't say allowed, how gracefully she walked into leaving her human body. And like that, it is, it's powerful. And it taught me from that moment, that's how I want to be when it's my time, when it's my turn. I want to be elegant and graceful as it happens. I want to have supportive people around me, you know, um, any that it was just something not to <laughs> talk about death too much. No, I find it's a really important topic to talk about that people are afraid of. And it is, it can't, it really can be an elegant, graceful and lovely process. Yeah. And, and, and painful too, right? I know yes. that she was in pain as she passed away, um, but she just taught me so much. And I really do think that in our culture, we look past death and, and it's like we try to pretend or we don't know what to say. And my my hope is that when it's my time to pass away, that, that people will that they're not going to walk away from me because they can't handle seeing me moving on into a different phase. You know, I don't know how to say that the best, but um, it, it just really taught me something about life and death. You know, we, we don't want to die and then think that we are obsolete from that moment forward. And, and this woman She'll never be obsolete because of the manner in which she went through that experience. So had it not been for the cancer community, yes, I had to be brave to walk in every week to this group. I did. There were some times that I didn't want to go in because I I knew if it wasn't me crying, it was going to be somebody else crying. If it was my good day, it might be somebody else's bad day. But I will tell you that every single meeting, somebody cried and a lot of people laughed and connected and, you know, all of the depth of what happened in that group was was just so powerful compared to me not having the um, the the strength or the motivation to walk in there and sit with all of that for everybody. Sounds a lot like that group gave you. I don't necessarily want to say hope, but they kind of gave you reassurance and maybe replaced a little bit about of that, a little bit of the fear maybe around what was. And I, I would say clarity. Clarity. That's good. Yeah. yeah. They put, they used words because all of those people had been dealing with stage four longer than I had. And so they had words, things that were all emotional, just trapped in my mind, spinning around that I just didn't have the language to get out of my head or the language. How what what do I say to people? I don't want to act as if, oh, I'm stage four terminal. And I don't also want to act like, oh, nothing's wrong with me at all. You know, you how how do I talk to people about this? How do I explain what's going on? And 
they helped me find the words to put some of those experiences to to make those experiences more concrete and i really think that that was um that was a huge part of that learning how to communicate about this cancer experience and i learned how to do that in that group the reason i chuckle a little bit is because i'm talking about stage four terminal cancer and on the other hand i'm talking about living i'm still living and like you said i'm vibrant and i generally have energy i look normal I don't look like a cancer patient, even though I am a cancer patient. Um, so being in this place where where I know I can't go back to my career that I had before, I'm not willing to take on that type of stress. And also knowing that I am living in a unique life situation that I have the ability to go out and talk to people and connect with people and create something. I still have, I, I have a lot of motivation. Um, like I said before, I'm a bit of a workaholic. <laughs> so. Cause we know you, you and your sister founded this amazing cancer community here locally. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that happened and what made you make that happen? Yeah. So when I moved back to Reno, I realized that that we don't have a survivorship program that is um, here locally in town. My sister and I ended up because I had come from a cancer survivorship program that I saw and I knew how it operated. I wanted to bring that up here locally. And so I kind of grabbed my sister and I said, hey, I think this is really important. I think we can do a lot of good. This would be really meaningful to me. Let's create this. And she was 100% on board. So basically the survivorship programs, the idea of them is to get survivors together to be able to talk and have this place to kind of download their experiences so that they can move forward into thriving post-cancer. So in our program, we do a lot of mind-body stuff specifically because I found that to be an extremely healing tool and I still use it and practice it regularly. Um, so we do a lot of mind body. We're doing a lot of journaling. Journaling is a really great way to write thoughts and feelings and to kind of have some clarity around, you know, what is going on in your head. And when you get to reread it back to yourself and you go, whoa, you know, I wrote my cancer survivor story. And when I read it back to myself, I was like, holy smokes, like you went through a lot, Natalie, you know, and I wasn't yes. self credit for for everything that that had occurred. So we do journaling. We do social support programs where the pharmacy actually sponsored one of our social support programs where where a group of survivors or people currently dealing with cancer get together and we do something fun with our hands some kind of craft or project and survivors talk with each other and and communicate and create bonds 
in those programs. So we also do survivors luncheons, which are intended to kind of do that same thing, the social emotional support. Every time I leave one of those social emotional support programs, I feel just really great about the connections that are made here locally in our community with the survivors here. My And I got to be a part of that, you know, yes. as the pharmacy sponsored it. And it was a huge honor for me to sort of listen to the conversations that went everything from cancer to motorcycles to, you know, it was just a little bit of everything. And that was a really um, honoring experience for me to hear that it was so many different things. So I have kind of one final question before we close. If you could go back as who you are today, who has gone through survivorship, went from stage three to stage four terminal, to being parts of different groups, to creating your own cancer community what would you say to natalie who was first diagnosed like what kinds of words would you tell natalie who was first diagnosed with cancer um the hands down most important thing i could ever let a new person that was diagnosed know is find the community it is scary I understand it's scary to watch other people going through horrific, very difficult, challenging things. But the community brings so much understanding to what somebody is going through that I think rather than getting stuck in the emotional part and trying to push away like, hey, that that was a different experience. That wasn't part of my life. You know, like that's what I wanted to do. Just push it away. Get rid of cancer. Get rid of cancer talk. Don't talk to anybody who's dying. Don't talk to people with cancer. My experience was that being around other people who were dealing with cancer, it just absolutely strengthened the base of who I was in my cancer journey going forward. Even me as a stage three cancer patient, two years after I went through cancer, I was still going through a cancer journey. And even if I wasn't diagnosed stage four, I would still be going through a cancer journey because cancer affected the way that all these different functions in my life looked. Everything from my brain and my career and my child and my family relationships and personal relationships, it affected everything. And we can move forward through our experiences, but they are still our experiences that are a part of us. Cancer was a part of my life. Do I hold on to it and and get stuck in that emotion every day? No, I don't. But it's a part of who how I developed as a person and how I developed into who I am today. And I think that once patients and survivors can be a part of an understanding community, they really can start to move forward with those cancer experiences being simply that. It was an experience that occurred. It was a life experience. And it shaped and formed certain ways about who I am. You move past it, but we should always still be allowed to talk about it. We can talk about what our cancer experiences were like, 
It helps other survivors. It helps people who are newly diagnosed so they don't feel alone when they're walking into chemo, what to expect, tips and tricks. The community is absolutely the most important part of survivorship. 